Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody? This is the Passionate DJ Podcast, episode 98. I'm your host, David Michael, and I don't have a cool night show bit for you guys. Damn. But I will say, I will introduce our audio engineer who has a leg up on the competition. But I'm from hey, Mr. Hey, Trim yeah. Turlington. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Internet. I'll be here all week. <laughs> what happened, man? Uh, doing some yard work and... <laughs> I, I wish I... It, That's how it all starts. Well, right, right. It's always it, your, the lawn with you. It is. It <laughs> yeah, is. There's a common thread You're here. chasing some kids? Yeah, or it, well, just, uh, you know, we were cutting these uh, pine trees up a little bit, and next thing I know, uh, we're disposing of all the limbs and, uh, you know, just got on some soft dirt. And as It I, wasn't some pine trees. It looks like scorched earth out in front of your house. Dude. That place looks completely different. <laughs> right. I had to make sure I parked at the right house, house. after you guys got done with all that stuff. It looks better, though, doesn't it? it yeah. Like um, three MOABs dropped <laughs> right in front of your house. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I um, as part of the uh, disposal process, I was using this leg as a pivot leg when I was chucking these large limbs and bushes and stuff into this uh, yard w- yard debris pit. And, uh, yeah, it just pivoted a little too hard. The ground shifted underneath me, and the next thing I know, I felt a snap the, and a the, pop, and I the, went down. The foot yeah. stayed and the knee rotated. That's right. Yeah. That's <sighs> right. Um, so uh, it, all the best guesses right now is that it's a torn ACL. So. <laughs> Uh, so for those of you who are not in the studio with us, uh, <laughs> I have another chair with multiple pillows and ice packs elevating. Everything. Need a lazy boy recliner in here right. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've not quite put him on injured reserve yet, so uh, we're not going to have to call anybody up from the minors. Right. Nice. And uh, then, of course, uh, Tony and Mo are here, too. And we're going to be talking <laughs> Tony DeSero and Mo Dingo. How you guys doing? Good, good. I'm doing well. Good. Now, I wanted to, this is July 3rd, so tomorrow being Independence Day, I wanted to kind of It's America Day Eve. It's it's America (laughs) Day Eve. And, you know, our country gets a lot of crap, you know, from probably from our international listeners and, and, you know, just... and. With good reason. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to we bring. We bring it on ourselves. Let's just, we let's we just do bring real. it on ourselves, yeah. and and you know our our politics is a mess right now, and we've sure. you know, we've got all this stuff going on, and on this show in particular, you know, we're talking to DJs and music, and I'm sure that plenty of people have plenty to say about America's influence on EDM culture and stuff like that, and so I wanted to kind of take an episode to just sort of celebrate America's positive contributions to. DJing and the music that's most important to us. So before we get too far into that, though, this is episode 98. We're only two away from episode 100. Man. This is a big deal. We're doing our episode 100 live. It's a live stream. It's our first video live stream. You have to RSVP to attend. So the details are the live date is this coming Saturday, July 8th. Now, the audio show will be published on normal schedule, which is July 17th. So for our subscribers, you know, if you listen on SoundCloud or your podcast app or whatever, 
the audio version will still be there, but if you want to see the video and participate, you need to sign up. So you can go to passionatedj.com forward slash 100. You can sign up right there. It's sort of a live webinar format, so there will be a, a question box where you can submit questions, and it'll queue them up for uh, us to answer. There'll be a live chat. There will be um, lots of great announcements. I'm really excited for that. So make sure you guys don't miss it. Once again, that's July 8th, and you have to register, passionatedj.com slash 100. We've got lots of confirmed guests that have been on the show before. Some are going to be in person and some are going to be remote. So uh, looking looking forward to talking to some people who we haven't heard from in a while. It's going to oh, be yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's do some voicemail. This one comes from DJ Brains. Hey guys, DJ Brains here. Just want to. Uh Give you a congrats on your 100th episode and continued success uh, in the future and certainly appreciate uh, the uh, awesome uh, information that uh, you give us each week on the, on the podcast uh, i've taken a lot of information and, and tried to apply it to to my to my business and to my hobby um i've been a mobile dj for quite some time but really in this last couple of years, I've really tried to, to really put myself into it. And uh, so this podcast has really helped me uh, to examine, you know, some areas where I can improve, some things I can incorporate. It definitely helped me to be more open-minded and to, to explore new avenues of uh, music maybe I hadn't looked at before and some things I can do uh, differently. And... Uh, I can tell that a uh, number of things that I've, I've uh, listened to and gained from your podcast uh, have helped me, and uh, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, so awesome job. Keep up the good work and, uh, and uh, continue to uh, enjoy the podcast here in the future. All right. Thanks again. See ya. Cool. We appreciate that, DJ Brain. So we've been uh, kind of seeing him with some activity on our social channels here i've yeah, seen it. Yeah. he's been reposting and uh just followed us on twitter the other day so yeah. hey we see you dj brains welcome yeah. board we appreciate that thank you very much been supporting us for a while and we appreciate the uh the well wishes and hope to see you at episode 100 absolutely that's pretty cool before um you start the next email i actually got a facebook message from a friend of mine um that was telling me a couple just moved to dayton and Mention my name because they've heard us on the podcast. They listen nice. to us on the podcast. No so, kidding. Yeah, man. Awesome. That's hey. great. Man, that never gets old. It's just I know, it's right? Because cool yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the message is getting through to somebody. They appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then we had that one voicemail where someone's moving into town here shortly. And then we mm-hmm. had another one where someone's coming to visit. They're actually going to be somewhere not super close, but they're going to try and make it to Yikes to come yep. hang out with us. Oh, wow, so, really? Yeah. Very cool. Yep, yikes! Being uh, the the annual Halloween, Halloween show, show that, that 3DM puts on, three dimensional entertainment puts on October fourteenth. <laughs> All right, we have a uh, another voicemail. This one comes from definitely not John Chapel, and uh, he's been having some trouble connecting. His you got to warn me while I'm not having something to drink when you say that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's just what the, you can't make fun of people's names, man. <laughs> so uh, definitely not says this about connecting RCA cables. Hey guys, so uh, last night I was playing a gig at the uh, uh, Crown Plaza Hotel uh, Lobby Men's Restroom and um, 
I, I was just wondering, I was looking at my RCA cords and like one is red and one is white, but like on my mixer, the inputs weren't in either of those colors. So I didn't play my gig. I didn't get to play it. You know, I didn't get paid. And so I don't even know which one, how do you know which one goes into which? Do you have any advice? <laughs> So, um, if you're not sure of the RCA color on your mixer, what do you what do you do? Red is right, white is left. But the the colors don't match up. Are they labeled? I guess on, on the, the mix- mixer itself. On the mixer, they should be. Uh, so it's okay, all, so it's all copper, man. Look like, for the just L plug and one yeah. in. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out right, just switch your speakers around. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right, let's get on to America. So let's talk about uh, American contributions to. DJing in particular to to the art form, you know, different techniques and, and things that have, have been uh, invented or curated here. The first thing that comes to my mind is beat matching. I mean, how, how's that strike you? Is that important enough to DJing? <laughs> well, uh, beat matching and slip cueing actually were invented by Francis Grasso, who was a nightclub DJ in New York City. I didn't realize someone actually took credit for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, according to Complex.com, it says, Have you heard of Francis Grosso? If you're a DJ or a fan of dance music, he's a name that you need to know. He spun legendary nights at Salvation 2, Tarot's, and Sanctuary, and he was the first DJ to require headphones for his gigs. Why? Because he not only came up with the idea of slip cueing, which is like holding on to the record, cueing it at the right moment, and dropping it. Um... But he would also preview the next record in the mix, making sure that the tempos matched and the party kept rocking. There were disc jockeys who used two turntables at one time, but it was his technique that revolutionized the way that disco DJs operated. And in turn, his style became the standard for DJs across the globe. Hmm. So once upon a time, this, you know, this idea of matching the two tempos and stuff, this was a new thing mm, before right. it was just either, I guess, drop mixing right, or, that's or fading or something yeah, like yeah. that. I wonder what it was like to hear that for the first time. Be like, man, this is one long ass song. <laughs> <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. Well, that's, uh, that was my reaction the first time I heard it. Yeah. yeah that, yeah. uh, that two hour long techno mix. Yeah. That I mean, it was a Napster. download for me, but <laughs> the same idea. I was like, wow, man, that must've taken forever to record that song, program yeah. an entire two hour mix. Uh, yeah. Or for, uh, for anybody like, if you weren't like exclusively into EDM or, or anything like that, you know, for me, when I went to my first rave and we get there at 10 30, 11 PM and we're still dancing at 6 AM. Yeah. Like, wow, <laughs> that has got to be one massive record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beat juggling. Mm. That's another one. Um, it was originally called the funk by DJ Steve D who pioneered the technique. He's, uh, I looked up this, this interview from, uh, so you guys know Nam, yeah. mm-hmm. so they yep. do all the big hardware announcements every year. So they have this oral history interviews thing, and they said, DJ Steve D from Harlem grew up at the same time when hip-hop culture was developing in the parks in and around his neighborhood. Uh, he's famous for creating one of the two major techniques used in turntablism and battle DJing. He named it the funk, but others misappropriated it as beat juggling. Uh, he was the founder of the legendary X-Men DJ crew. Uh, he toured with Two Live Crew, Blackstreet, Rex and Effect, and so on. Worked with Rex Michael Jackson. So I actually have a clip from the interview on that page. Let's check that out. Very cool. This technique that everyone calls beat juggling is just a way to show off. And 
and it shows mastery and control over DJing, you know what I mean? There's different aspects of DJing, different techniques. There's, uh, there's uh, scratching and then there's mixing and then you have these different elements and when you combine all of those, it's like one big thing, you know? It's like you have a plate, but if you break it, it's different pieces. The funk is basically playing the turntables. You know, you have a drum machine. The drum machine is not a drummer, you know, so the turntable is not an instrument, but it is an instrument because it plays all instruments, you know. So the concept behind it is expressed by actually doing it, you know. So everyone says that the turntable is an instrument or they're the first turntablist and this, that, and the third, but they didn't show you how to play it. You understand? So I feel that that's what I contributed. Playing the turntables like an instrument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that was a pretty cool contribution. You know, I had not even heard of DJ Steve D, I have to admit, yeah, no. until I did the research for this episode. Yeah, never I mean this is all this is all new new info for me. I'm I'm soaking it up. Yeah. So American contributions, beat matching, slip cueing, beat juggling. How about scratching? Uh, that's the Bronx. Yeah, the Bronx. Right, the, right. the, the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's widely attributed to uh, Grand Wizard Theodore, who worked with uh, Grandmaster Flash and yep. company. Have you ever seen or watched The Get Down? I have not. It's on I've Netflix. heard about it. It's on Netflix. I mean, it's that whole story. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's spread out into a few different episodes. But yeah, it's I'll cool. check that out for sure. I think really I've heard. Cool. Is that the one that you brought up, Mo? Yeah, we that... talked about it before, but mm -hmm. the one thing I find interesting about that show is, and I never realized it, is that, uh, what, disco, uh, early... Hip, East Coast hip hop and punk mm -hmm. all originated within, you know, what a 10 mile radius ten miles, oh, wow. of each other yeah. in the same time in the same town. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. There was a lot going on. Yeah. Well, I have a clip here from the YouTube channel called The Cut where they talk about this. Let's check it out. Obviously, you've, you're universally known as the inventor or creating a, a creator of Scratch. Right. So, how long after you started actually DJing did you invent that or did that happen to you? Because I know the story and I'm sure right, everyone right, has heard right. it a million times. We'll skip that and just, I want to know how long was the period of time before you started to inventing Scratch? It was about a year. Okay. About a year. Okay. Because okay. I was about 11 and a half and then once I created Scratch, I was like... You took off from that yeah. point and yeah. then you were like, okay, this is something. Yeah. So you invent Scratching accidentally and at that point, you say to yourself, okay, th this is something here, I'm gonna perfect this, I'm gonna do this. How long did it take you to get it to the point where you're like, I'm gonna bring this out of the party? And when you did bring that out of the party, what was the reaction of the crowd and the, your peers? <laughs> wow. Um, it really didn't take too long because um, I felt like every day, my DJ skills were getting better and better and better because we would just play music all day and all night in the house. And the, and the longer I played and the, and the longer I practiced, my skills were getting better and better and better. So after I actually created the actual scratch, it really didn't take me too long because I just practiced it with different records, you know, a couple of days, a week or so. And when I actually did it for the first time was in 63 Park, mm -hmm. which is the park that we, we play in like, uh, like, it's like every summer, all the DJs in the Bronx would end up doing block parties so that when it gets cold outside, everybody would. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it was like how we did our mixtapes. We didn't do mixtapes. It's like we just did block parties and stuff yeah. like that. But when I first did it, man, people were like, like, what is he doing? This is like really crazy. It's like hearing a certain part of the record back and forth and forth and back. And it just, it just basically just, uh, 
just hyped the crowd up, man. Everybody just got really, really hyped. And my peers and my brothers and my MCs was like, wow, this is crazy, you know? So everybody just went, it just electrified everybody, man. Yeah, and I'm sure it, it did. it electrified me, myself, man, you know? Yeah, because you like, had wow. something that nobody else, it's so rare to have something that right, right. nobody else right, right. has. Especially in those days, right? You know, there's Early a lot on, more man. options to be creative now. But yeah. imagine being like that first guy to just, or or gal or whoever, to to find a thing, a new thing yeah. out of stuff that's been around forever, and have everybody and <laughs> turn around like, what was that? You know, what was the first time cool. you ever remember hearing a scratch? Jeez, I don't know that I could pinpoint it. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I can. I, I, I've grown I, I remember up, too. I've grown up with it, so it's. I mean, being born in '83, there, there wasn't ever a time I didn't hear it. What so. was it for yeah. you, Tony? I don't want to say hearing because I've, I heard it a lot, but never realized what, what it, was it was when I was that young. Mm -hmm. But it was when I watched uh, Run DMC on MTV. They do uh, Saturday. They did uh, Saturday night concerts back then, mm -hmm. and one of the nights was Run DMC, and I saw Jam Master J and. Uh, Repping it on he your was, shirt today. He was, yeah, yeah. Know, that's crazy. Huh? <laughs> um, um, but DMC came out and, you know, he was scratching DMC's name and then Run came out and he started scratching Run's mm -hmm. name. And I, it was the first time I actually visually saw it. And I okay. was like, wow, wow. That that's was pretty great. cool. That was probably the first time I ever saw it too. Was on MTV. It was like eighty four. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, probably. What about you, Trip? Oh, it wasn't until later than that. For me, I think it was. Well, so there was Jazzy Jeff, and then there was uh, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover on Yo MTV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So East like, Coast Dre, uh, yeah. right? East Coast Dre, not right, West right, Coast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wanting to say it was like one of the Jazzy Jeff and, and Fresh Prince videos where it showed him, you know, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. just doing mm -hmm. something on the turntables, and you know, at that time, you know, I was, you know, just getting into hip hop and all of that stuff, and. Um, you know, I, we've talked about, you know, uh, the, the whole like gangster rap thing and yeah. all of the, so, you know, at, at one point, like, you know, you, when, when you're just all of a sudden getting immersed in all this and you hear the, the sounds, but you know, you don't really conceptualize well, what the, what the hell is actually going on there. So then when I'm watching, uh, MTV and yeah, yo MTV raps and those videos come up. Oh, okay. So they're using uh -huh. turntables. These are records. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. But what what what's actually happened? So then, of course, I go into my mom's disco collection and Motown <laughs> collection, and I'm sitting there, and I'll put it something on the turntable, and <laughs> what the hell are you oh, doing? Baby's first scratch. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna ruin the records. I was just gonna say that was pro probably my introduction. I do remember having that conversation with my dad, like. The record is playing. Don't touch it. Right, and it's, yeah. it's taken me years to undo that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I clearly remember the first time I ever heard it was Herbie Hancock and Grandmaster DST um, on Rocket. I, I was just oh, that's what I was okay. getting ready to say. And the first time I ever saw it was when I saw the video and Grandmaster, well, DST or DXT, he's changed his tail sound. Sure, I don't know sure. why, but um, I just remember watching the video and actually getting a videotape and recording it because I didn't understand what he was doing. I just saw him moving mm. the record back and forth, but then I also saw his other hand doing something too, and I was like, "What is that? I don't, I don't." See, I'm trying to remember yeah. the video now for for Rocket because I, I mean, I remember all of the like, you know, the the, the dolls, the and dolls, stuff like, yeah. and the and the all the robotic stuff happening, yeah. but I don't ever, re I don't remember so seeing. There's it. a scene where there's actually a TV in the video, and they show the TV with Grandmaster DST in oh. it or Grandmaster DST. I'm sorry. 
and he's in it and he's and he's you see his hands and you're like I was like, huh? oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. It's, it's funny when you brought that. I was just getting ready to say, if I had to guess, it was probably Rocket by Herbie Hancock yeah. because my uh, my father would have introduced that to me, yeah. and uh, I I still have that record. That yeah. my it, the one that I heard the, as a kid. My dad's. It's, yeah. You guys yeah, have probably I, seen it. It's up on my shelf. Yeah, ironically, I was in New York, and it was the first time I ever visited my cousins in the, the Bronx, mm. um, in that summer, and. I was at one of my cousin's house and this thing called MTV was on and uh, I was like, oh, it's cool. So like the songs have movies, you know, <laughs> that's pretty right. sweet. And then right. yeah, this Herbie and the Herbie Hancock song was super popular at the time. And I was like, oh, let me watch this. And I was like, what? Uh, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. And the and the crazy so like the crazy part about that is like I think the reason that's not even at the forefront because obviously of the stuff that I mentioned, Rocket came far before those. Yeah. But like. You know, when you're a kid, you know, and you've never kidding. heard something like never that heard before. something like, like, yeah, I wasn't even conceptualizing that that was a record, you know, moving yeah. back and forth. Yeah. 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 That huh. was like 1980. Yeah. I was going to say that was early. Yeah, yeah. 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 Something like that was years ago, man. Yep. Well, if, if scratching isn't big enough for you, how about the invention of the phonograph entirely? <laughs> yeah. yeah. USA. Oh. USA. USA. America. America. <laughs> 1877, <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> Or even the term DJing. Hmm. In 1935, American radio commentator Walter Winchell coined the term disc jockey, which was a combination of disc, referring to disc records, obviously, and jockey, which is an operator of a machine. Uh, it was used as a description of radio announcer Martin Block, the first radio announcer to gain widespread fame for playing popular recorded music over the air. So the word DJing and everything that DJs use, boom. America. America. <laughs> AF. 100% emoji. Um, so I wanted to also take a minute to kind of spotlight the the sort of classic radio DJ personality. Ah, uh, yeah. Because there were a yeah, lot well, of big lot of American... cats probably aren't familiar with, like, Casey Kasem. Casey, I was going to say, Jack I mean, and, yeah, Casey yep. Kasem is the pinnacle in my book. That's man. the voice That's... I always hear in my head when I think of the classic <laughs> DJ. Uh, you know, there's actually... And Rick Dees, too. Rick yeah, Dees. and Rick Dees, absolutely. But, like, you know, there's... um, they, they actually are now playing... I don't remember what station it is, but every now and then you can catch... America's top forty. Oh yeah, on some radio station. So it was like it, I was. I don't remember what day it was or where I was coming from, but all of a sudden I'm just kind of like I never listened to the radio, right? So, but the regular one, radio or satellite? Regular radio. And uh, so then one day I'm just kind of flipping through, and then all for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden I hear Casey, and like it's like you know that's that, yeah that's an emotional. Yeah. I knew that voice. Yeah, it's yeah. like an emotional thing, like because it was. I I remember sitting there every Sunday, going through the top forty mm -hmm. and taping songs off <laughs> yeah. of the radio, so that you, you remember could, doing you, that too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, we you know, grew up with Casey Kasem, man. That was that that was our guy, and then you know. Uh, uh, the long distance dedications and oh <laughs> wow right like I mean so like these uh, these uh, they're basically replaying you know all of these uh, these classic uh, these, uh, shows yeah, yeah the shows and stuff it was That's it was pretty, pretty awesome. cool yeah yeah when I was stationed in Japan I remember well I worked at, I, I DJed at the club which is only one club and there was maybe like three small clubs within it so like one would play you know blues or jazz or whatever one would play country and the other one would play like hip hop and top forty. 
So like when I had to play the top 40 shows, I remember having to listen to Rick D's on, that would come, they would pipe it in from the States on Saturdays and I'd have to sit there and wake up and listen to it. Like, all right, what's this song? Okay. And then, and then just write down all these songs because internet again, didn't have it. Right. Right. Um, so, have, so I'd have to write down all these songs and then like call my friends back in the States. All right. Can you send me this CD, this CD, this CD, you know? Right. So yeah, I have, that'll I have be $300 shipping. Exactly. Yeah. Spent a lot of intimate time listening to Rick. Rick D's in the weekly top 40. <laughs> painful memories, painful memories. We know who else was a, a big fan of that classic radio format is our friend silent gloves. Yeah. And yeah. we had him on episode 31. He talked a little bit about this. Let's check that out. We all really owe this whole DJing thing to that radio DJ format. That's yeah, really absolutely. where it comes from. Yeah. Very few of us on the, on this side. When I say this side, I mean on the, the doing the club circuit or uh, playing bars or or whatever that the shows don't always acknowledge or even know that, especially if they're younger. Yeah, they don't get to experience. They don't understand. They, their view of a radio DJ is clear channel right. or whatever you know what i mean it's it's somebody to, to jump in say hey welcome to blah 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 radio da, 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 da. here's the weather here's your next track right they're not used to somebody who gives a crap about stuff like this is more energetic it would fit in the third segment right. or whatever well you got to remember i mean as recently as you know the 80s and even into the early 90s there was a jock in the studio that was manually playing right. music. Yeah, that's what I was just tables. getting ready to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, these guys were, you tuned into somebody's show for the exact same reason people tune into my show. Now, am I the best radio jock in the world? Absolutely yes. not. I'm not even in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of a good voice, but in the radio world, there's something called an air check. So typically, if you're on the air as a radio DJ, you have what's called a scoped air check with your program director once a week. And basically, it's a recording of your show where they just cut out all the music and they just listen to every break that you did, every weather reading, and they critique it. And that's called an air check. And if you get out on YouTube and you type in 1980s air checks, you can find hundreds of them. <laughs> and I go back and I listen to some of those and I think, man, I have so much room to improve. <laughs> because these guys just blow my mind. I mean, they had so much. Now, of course, they were probably all doing blow but <laughs> they have so much energy well now you know what sure. you're doing wrong Steve. right well i'm not going down that route uh, maybe i don't know no. <laughs> but um uh i apologize if that was inappropriate no, for no, the podcast. No, but but um no i mean it's amazing to see these guys just this you know at two o'clock in the afternoon or drive home or whatever they were doing just being so excited about their just being on the radio you know mm. and that's something i try to duplicate but i'm not I'm not there yet. Yeah, the radio personality back then was great. Oh, I know, man. It, it was. They were it in your face. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, I don't want to say in your face, but, you know, if you were scrolling through the dial in the 80s, you could hit, you knew when you hit a station, you know, it was rock and Ron Sedaly on whatever, you know. Right. Uh, Ron Sedaly is one of my favorites, by the way. But um, in any case, I mean, they, they had these DJs with personality, and you would hit a station. And you'd be like, oh, this is interesting, right? Like within like a few seconds, right? That just doesn't exist today. I mean, there, it does a little bit like in the major markets. 
Z100 is a good example where they have still live jocks on the air, but you know, it's just a rare thing. I don't listen to radio much anymore, but every time I do turn the radio on, I hear Ryan Seacrest or somebody syndicated, not somebody local, like a good local personality. It's always some Hollywood celebrity that that's all people want to listen to. And to his earlier point, yeah, it's it's a curated playlist from the internet, you know, and and all of that, you know, comes from one central location. Whereas before, back in the eighties, I can remember those personalities on there. And while they were all still playing what was popular at the time, there was a lot more thought into the way it was presented. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And what was popular at the time was just better than what's popular. (laughs) So the good old classic radio DJ format, it's, I would say it's kind of a lost art though. I think some of that has probably gotten swept up into the podcast realm. I was just mm-hmm. saying, that was just going to Good mention point. all that. Yeah, like, like, don't look at me for an example of that because I'm not that guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> the right, radio, yeah, but, right. You know, but but um, others are doing that. Well, it, it, because podcasting, like you know, didn't take off like they originally thought it would. Like you know, around two thousands to early to early to mid two thousand, and um, you know it. it it was just one of those things where, like, it kind of got popular for, for a second and then, like, you know, just leveled off. And then here in the last five years, all of a sudden things have been taking off with podcasts again. And because of that, I think that's where we'll start seeing those resurgences hmm. of people, you know, trying to bring that charisma back to... yeah the presentation of good music, you know? And the other difference is exactly what both you and and Silent Gloves were just talking about, that phenomenon of channel surfing or whatever, Mm. scrolling through that dial and then just hearing it and having it interrupt your day in the best possible way. For me, I think it wasn't so much hearing the voice, but you hear the personality Personality. in the voice. yeah. That, that was captivating, you know, especially if it's one that you've heard a few times and then you have that memory association yeah. with it. And then and it's like, oh, and, it's... And, and I don't know about YouTube, but I know, Tony, you probably remember Wolfman Jack when we were oh, yeah. super young, we were really just young. like he just had this charisma, even though you couldn't see him or anything, just how he spoke and the energy. And he, he, he was, like, oh, you know, <laughs> howling and stuff like that. I, I remember I clearly remember listening to him and just like smiling, you know, because yeah. his, his energy was infectious, you know. Yeah, I felt the same way about Casey Kasem. Yeah. I mean, uh, that 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 guy, me and him, we spent many a Sunday together. Yeah, that was that. Casey's that was the awesome. only one that I that I would really recognize by name and hear the voice and go, ah, Casey, yeah, right, you know, because yeah. just being the age that I am. But sure. yeah, I kind of caught the tail end of that. Right. I hugged myself uh, to Delilah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. It's still. Guilty All pleasures. right, let's talk a little bit about the musical <clears throat> contributions that the U.S. has made, especially as it relates to us as DJs. And if we're going to talk about DJing and music, we've got to address hip-hop. Yep. Is it bigger than... Hip-hop, hip-hop. Yo, the saga begins... I'll draw first blood, be the first to set it off My cause, tap all jaws, lay down laws We take it with jaws, we do jokes, rust the doors It kind of D's, trying to make breeze, a gun's toss And full force, a team will go at your main source My non-Taurus, hit bosses and take hostage Your whole setup, from the ground up, we lock shit 
Yeah, so I, I had originally picked a different clip for this. Okay. Um, and then when the news came through about Prodigy, I, I switched yeah. it up to Mob Deep. So uh, rest in peace. He was, what, 42? Yeah, yeah. Same age as me. Way too, yeah. way too early. Oh, How did he pass away? Uh, complications from sickle, sickle cell. cell. Yeah. Um, which was... Uh, very publicly called out by Dissed Tupac. By, yeah. by one uh, right. Tupac on, Shakur. Yeah, on uh, the, the hit him up track, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I just didn't know that's why he passed away. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and, and and really, before we dive too far into that, like, just as a, uh, as a shout out to Prodigy, I mean, like, a lot of people don't realize the 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 producer that he was mm. like i mean it, you take something like the iconic uh sound of um of shook, shook ones, ones part, part two. two and and i've i watched a couple of youtube videos from this guy who takes iconic hip-hop tracks and then reproduces them in uh you know modern day oh, yeah, um yeah. uh daw software and like but he doesn't just duplicate it. He like shows you how and why and, and the methods that they would have had to use, yeah. you know, back in the nineties to get these things to, to, to work correctly. And I mean, something like shook ones, like there's that piano in the background. Like that's like some, like, and it was it toned does, down or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was uh transposed down by however many octaves yeah. time stretched. Like, I mean, it just, and then like the, that, that siren sound, like, yeah. There's just there the 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 level of creativity that these people, uh, especially Prodigy in, in in this example, were able to exude with limited capability. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you just said earlier well, compared to what we have today. Exactly compared to what we have today. Sometimes having the creative world at your fingertips is more debilitating. Yeah, yeah, because if you are just given paper, pen, pencil, and some tape, you know, you'll make you'll, it happen. You'll make yeah. something okay, happen. Now what? But if, yeah. if you are given everything in the world to create something, well, where do I Where's even the start? Yeah. Where do yeah. I even start? You know, the one thing I've so, always appreciated about that record is that, um, that dirty, um, sound you hear of the needle mm. as a loop in the track. Yeah. 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 I, I've always really, that's always like gets to me like, on the inside, I'm like, mm, yeah. that that old warmth, that crispy sound yeah, no of doubt. a needle on a record. So uh, rest in peace to Prodigy. Yes, yeah, rest in yeah peace. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but hip hop does have its roots in New York, um, specifically the Bronx, specifically, specifically the South Bronx, the South South Bronx, <laughs> the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it began in the 1970s. And you say you're not gangster, David. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It began in the 1970s and focused on emceeing over breakbeats at house parties and neighborhood block party events that were held outdoors. Hip-hop music has been a powerful medium for protesting the impact of legal institutions on minorities, particularly police and prisons. Um, and as it relates to DJing, actually, I just ask, who knows the four elements of hip-hop? Breakbeats, emceeing, mm -hmm. graffiti. What's the first one? Breakbeats. Think about it. What about it? Breakbeats? Break dancing. Oh, b boying. Yeah, uh, yeah. B <laughs> be, be person. B person. Let's let yeah. <laughs> I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. I was just yeah. like, yeah. Um, so yeah, the four elements of hip hop include DJing. So yeah, I would say it's a little bit relevant to 
to what we're talking about here. I mean, DJing and hip hop are synonymous. You can't separate those. Right, right, (laughs) right. Um, And then, but you did bring up break beats and I know there's, that's an easy word to slip in here because break beats are also crucial to the formation of hip hop. Right, yeah. And if we're going to talk about break beats, we need to talk about DJ Cool Herc. Yep. Um, you know, he, he pioneered the use of the breaks in records. To, Use an you know, old, uh, like parliament and funk record. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. would take, or James Brown or whatever. He would take the, take the beats and, uh, I guess juggle them and, and just play the breaks back and forth right. and then would come up with these extended breaks. And then people started toasting and emceeing over them and suddenly there was hip hop, you know, and, and boom. So, I mean, DJing and hip hop aren't just they aren't just, you know, kind of half related. They are (laughs) integrated to each other. That's right. That's right. Um, Yeah. His extended, he extended the beat of the record by using two record players, isolating the percussion breaks by using a mixer to switch between the two records, which helped form the foundation for the entire genre of hip hop. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How about disco? That's a pretty big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for as much as it got hated on, you know, like, I mean, it, but it's still iconic. It, it identifies a, a period of time in American history. And that was also something that reached worldwide. You know, that wasn't just something that, you know, stuck around here and, and then faded off. Like, um, it, and it had further influence you know, on, on down, you know, de- uh, you know, decades later. With the Disco Sucks incident. The what? There was a baseball game where they were going to an- officially announce the death of Disco. And this uh, radio DJ from whichever, I can't remember which city it was, but they had all these records out and they were going to have like this demolition expert come out and blow up these records. Well, it basically, long, long story, medium length, it turned into a riot. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to stop the baseball game, <laughs> and it was just—it it was ridiculous. Wow! The people just had such disdain for disco that that it turned into that. So disco originated on the East Coast, and its initial audiences were club goers from the uh, the gay community, African American, Italian American, and Latino communities in Philadelphia and in New York during the '60s and '70s. I have written down that disco can be seen as a reaction against both the domination of rock music and the stigmatization of dance music by the counterculture during this period. So that probably culminated in exactly what you're talking yeah. about there. <laughs> yeah, um, by definition, like the whole era of disco was that of excess. You yeah. know, there lots of drugs, lots of promiscuity, you know, great big shiny things. And, uh, <laughs> like disco balls. Like disco balls. <laughs> shiny disco balls. <laughs> Um, there was also, you know, we have to point out the influence of disco on DJing as well, because by the late seventies, most major U S cities had thriving disco club scenes where DJs would mix a seamless sequence of dance records. So, you know, like studio 54 and places like this, Mm -hmm. this was the music that was being mixed in this way initially Mm -hmm. in a, like a nightclub, a popular nightclub kind of context. So, of course, you take a disco with all these extended breaks and you're mixing them together and you have this dance floor that you're trying to move. And what does that feed into? None other than house music, baby. Right, right. (laughs) 
How the hell can you not like house music? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little callette for you there. Yeah, I mean, you just take that disco sound, you, you add a little bit of funk and soul and, and just a little bit of that emotional backdrop and fuse it in there. It's a spiritual thing. It's a, spir- <laughs> it's a spiritual thing. <laughs> so house music obviously began in Chicago. Started in the uh, early 80s. And it kind of it was characterized by those that four four beat that kind of started in disco that mm-hmm. right there, um, and those rhythms were more provided by drum machines rather than by live drummers. And right. mm-hmm. I mean, how much did that influence DJ culture? For one thing, I mean, just right. the, the actual steady beat and being able to do things with this music and have it be in a predictable tempo. <laughs> you know, I mean that. I, not, maybe not everybody appreciates that until they try to like mix Mixed some old it. funk uh, right. exactly oh. exactly because you know it, it's like trying to mix some funk like real like on vinyl funk oh yeah <laughs> real live drummers are hard to mix anyway yeah. yeah because they're not on the true tick yeah yeah and i mean even like you can do what uh, a lot of times when recording they'll use what they call a click track so they'll mm-hmm. have like you know a, almost like a metronome sound in their ears and if you're a really good drummer, you can you can be pretty close, but it's pretty ne- close is not computer close. Yeah, it's no. not going to be as close <laughs> as an 808 or a you know MacBook or something. <laughs> Garage band. I have this quote from Frankie Knuckles. He says, "When we first opened in 1977, that would be uh, probably the warehouse in Chicago. I was playing a lot of the East Coast records, Philly stuff. And by '80 and '81, when that stuff was all over with, I started working with a lot of the soul that was coming out." I had to reconstruct the records to work for my dance floor to keep the dance floor happy as there was no dance music coming out. I'd take the existing songs, change the tempo, layer different bits of percussion onto them to make them more conducive for the dance floor. Rest in mm. peace also to Frankie Knuckles. Yes. You no know, we, kidding. That's yeah. where that comes from. And then, of course, you know, we can take it from Chicago right over to Detroit. Yep. Mm. Uh, you know, Detroit being as close as it is to us here in Dayton. I think there's a huge influence from Detroit here. Yeah. So I've got this track here. If this don't make your booty move, your booty must be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's... That's Robert Hood. Oh, Robert Hood, absolutely, yeah. Solid thought. So obviously, DJing and techno have a huge intertwined history. That's the sound that I became accustomed to in '95 when I first started going to raves here in Dayton. Yeah, it's yeah. That straight up. Kim and Howard were bringing all these guys. Yeah, that straight up percussion, just relentless beats. Yeah. No, no fooling around. Yeah, relentless. That's a good. That's a good word to describe. Oh yeah. Where's the drop? Oh, this is the drop. This is all you get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, the cool thing about techno, too, especially as it relates to DJs, is I think, and I could somebody could correct me on this, but I think that's probably where the idea of like three and four deck mixing started to really come in. Uh, I mean, From, like, I don't. Jeff Mills types. And, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I don't have any, any, any facts to back that up either, but I would assume. I mean, because, I mean, you know, if you take a look at things like disco and house and and even hip hop, I mean, you know, there's so much going on 
musically there that yeah. you know it it's already going to be hard to manually you know mess with four decks yeah but then to also make it sound good too yeah whereas you know the loopy structure of techno especially early techno you know just i mean that i mean it's what you just heard there that but yeah. was pretty much it you know of that track it's it's the same sounds some come in some go out and it just you know kind of you know shifts around so when it's you like take one big long tease the whole right time. right exactly yeah. so where the really primo techno dj's really got people's attention was not the one or were not the ones that uh could mix 12 techno tracks from you know beginning to finish you know with you know minute minute to minute and a half yeah, transitions, uh, you yeah. know transitions no the ones that really blew your mind were the guys that could do three three records four three or four records at a time and were layering them to create those song. peaks and yeah. valleys yeah. in the energy levels and stuff. I mean, it was just amazing stuff. Well, and, and just like all, you know, <clears throat> electronic dance music, if you want right. you know, to, somebody's going to yell at me for throwing EDM in with techno, but <laughs> for any music that's a lot electronic that you dance to, um, it has a set of rules, you know, and those mm-hmm. rules come along with a certain predictability and, so when you have that and then you have a DJ who's like, fuck the rules, you know what I mean? <laughs> then you get really cool, rules. Right, you get right. really cool results out of that. And you're like, well, what happens if I just drop this next beat on the three? Why not? Right. It's techno. I can do whatever I want. Yep. And then they cut it over to, oh, that's not working. Backspin out of it. Slam the, I mean, you can do, it's just fun music yeah. because it gives yeah. you so many options. Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I, we haven't spent much time, or I don't think any time, on this episode talking about particular venues or festivals or anything, and we probably could do a whole episode on that. But sure. um, I do want to at least mention movement here, or Dempf, yeah. or f- what was it called for a while, Fusion, Fusion, something like that. So the the Detroit Electronic Music Festival has been going since I want to say. Anybody know the first year? Was it 2000 or 98, something like that? It's, I think it was 2000. Yeah, it's been a while. Something like that. It's been a while. <laughs> and, you know, for all, it has faults just like every other show does sure. and every other group does. But, um, and, you know, somebody is welcome to disagree with me because I'm not super into, I'm not super into other festivals. I don't go to a lot and I'm very sporadic. But I go to, other than this year, I go to Detroit every year. And, it's it's consistently delivered what it should and what i mean is it's very detroit techno the whole mm-hmm. like they'll bring other headliners in they'll try to mix the crowds up i was gonna say you can go somewhere and find just straight up raw techno that's right yeah at all times on one of the stages there will always be some it's all very like you walk in and everybody's like detroit and they, they just <laughs> like, oh, yes detroit and there's like a whole the love of the city thing that black I can jeans and to. dark t-shirt <laughs> so yeah I, I think uh movements uh probably a gem amongst other festivals which maybe are becoming super duper commercialized and, yeah and, and i mean even movement is not immune from that i mean you know you you mentioned before you know they've they've tried other things i mean they've brought in you know major dnb headliners they've brought in you know like, dj snoopadelic yeah they have brought in snoopadelic <laughs> yeah. and you know that i mean a track and you know so there the and even when dubstep was really banging you know around you know the whole 
2010-ish era, I, I think the entire Red Bull stage for pretty much the yeah. entire day was all <laughs> dubstep uh, until A-Track went on. But, um, you know, and that's all fine and good. It's okay to, you know, have some element of that to, to chase the trends to keep the sure. the, the, the uh, audiences coming um, and to diversify the crowd and to introduce those crowds to what it was yeah. all what it's all about and uh but yeah i'm i'm right there with you there's there's always a stage where you can just stop park <laughs> or <laughs> or stake your claim you know yeah. like start squatting yeah these three and a half feet in this radius are mine <laughs> and, <laughs> for the know, next 10 dance hours around. yeah just <laughs> dance around man and and like 98 percent of the people are all in just super good moods yeah like yeah. i don't think i've ever had a, a problem with anyone nope. in almost 10 years of, of attending nope nope at least somebody that i didn't go with myself <laughs> 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 the thing about movement in comparison to other festivals that i see in the states i, I check their flyers and i see like headliners that are big name pop acts or big name EDM acts. And then they might have like, uh, I don't know, Hot Sense 82 or Hot Sense 82 or somebody of that tier kind of as a supporting act. And then mm. that's kind of it. Or they'll mix some other, maybe put a couple local support things in there. But movement is like, it's all about all these, like it's all about techno. Oh yeah. Like yeah. they don't, uh, don't they? I mean they they still have the made in Detroit stage right yeah yeah like I mean they call it thump now oh, I think this past year it was called thump okay but so, yeah same I mean yeah same but it's cool because it's, I mean, it's it's not like come see excision and also Rob Hood and Derek May and, you, know, <laughs> right. you know it's like come get some techno and also we're come we're gonna some toss techno. you we're gonna toss <laughs> right. you some of this stuff to you know because some people are gonna like that it's gonna bring a different younger crowd in blah 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 right. And I, I wish more festivals did that. And I, I suspect that they will in a few years if, if the festival scene backs off a little bit. I'm not sure where we're at on that yeah, these I don't days. Know but, either. Um, you know who else gets a lot of crap in America is the state of Florida. <laughs> well, you know, the hanging chads and all. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy. America's wang, as they call it. Right, right. But uh, lots of great music has come out of there. How about Florida Breaks? Yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. DJ Icy. Yep, uh, Baby Ann. Baby Ann. Hootie uh, Hootie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick West. Yep. I lived in Tampa for a minute, and I used to go yeah. record shopping down there. And that's when, I mean, I was progressive trance. Yeah. You know, and I still liked breaks. I had a handful of breaks, a lot of um, Icy records and stuff. But when we moved down there, the radio show on Saturday nights, like the live mixes were all Florida breaks and that's all huh. anywhere you would go. That's all you would hear house music, trance. None of that was really big in Tampa or central Florida. I see that's interesting to me all, because you know, I having grown up here in Ohio at the time that that would have been really weird for me to like mm -hmm. show up and turn on the radio and hear that kind of music. I'd been like, what is happening? What the I mean, I would have been intrigued, but it was, um, do you remember, what was the big song? It was in 2000, Sunglasses at Night. They did that that remix, Sunglasses okay, at Night. Yeah, yeah. Every 45 minutes, <laughs> you would hear that song on the radio, just wow. like you would hear our typical top 40 up here. Wow. Yeah. Well, here, I got a little DJ Icy. When you're lost to feeling down, I will save you from the night. I'm still searching. Every time you need my love, I 
You know what's really cool about the whole breakbeat genre, though, is that it kind of like it kind of fuses that that uh, that link between like hip hop and electronic. You, know, you get you get that broken beat. Um, you know that. that you know, just kind of evolved out of all of that. But then you've got all these great electronic sounds. So, like, it, it, it's just got a different groove to it. That, like, that, that pace, you right. know, like it, a hip-hop record will, will play some bars. It'll play the, the hook and then some more bars and the hook. Right. Whereas this music is just, it keeps that tempo going because it's dance music. Right, you know? right. It just keeps on going, but you get all that hip-hoppiness. You get the yeah, funk. Yeah, yeah. And the funk, yeah. Mm. But I got I to gotta shout out... Um, uh, you know, before we move on, you can't talk about Florida Breaks in my mind without bringing up Mike and Charlie. Okay, like, these guys uh, had this hit uh, called "I Get Live," and like at, at least for me, that was my introduction to these guys. And I mean, it was that was a hell of a track. And it was like one of the things that just kind of sucked me right into Florida Breaks. Mm. And and actually got me to like play them for a while, you know. It was you know when I was exploring different genres and stuff. Um, but uh, that track, they actually got Fat Boy Slim to remix it, like, and then his remix is like the one that blew up and like you know it got like brought all this attention right to, uh, to the original. But you know, I mean, the original is just a is a shit hot track, man. I, uh, so shout out to the those guys and uh all of the the pioneers i mean like you said you got your icy your hoodie hoo, yeah, baby and you know all the dynamics big, i forgot to talk about dynamics oh yeah yeah, yeah. i still have a dynamics t-shirt it's like <laughs> it's like all black and it's got it, it, it it's got the white screen print on it but it's like the chip yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 but uh yeah man like i mean you know, yeah, those were all household names, but like once you get down there, like that's the whole thing about like the whole Florida break scene is that like for all of the exposure and as popular as it got, it also retracted fairly. That's what I was about really to say. Yeah, it like, all stayed very geographic. Yeah, and, you know. and now like you know, break beats are break beats and there's still there's still pockets of popularity everywhere, but you go to Florida you're listening to Florida Breaks, like, because <laughs> I didn't, I had never heard of it till actually till after it had quelled down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? What is? Well, this sounds like freestyle met, you know, some some dance music met some like hip hop met, you know, it sounded just. I well, mean, that part of the country though, there's so many people from all over the world, or sorry, all over the nation that migrate down to Florida. So, right, right. Well, yeah, uh, Wikipedia says Florida breaks originates from a mixture of hip hop, Miami bass, and electro that Boom. often includes yeah. recognizable yeah. sampling of early jazz or yeah. funk beats from rare groove or popular film. Florida's breakbeat style also features vocal elements and retains the hip hop rhythms on which it is based. However, it's faster, more syncopated, and has a heavier and unrelenting bass line. Okay, well, that, yeah. Pretty much nailed it. That sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but one thing that I did say in that last paragraph was Miami bass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some magic mic, son. Mm. Nice. I remember playing this in high school in my 92 Toyota Tercel. Right. Yeah. In, in my like four inch. Uh, Can anybody tell me what song it is that he sampled? Oh, that's Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Oh. Not that. Oh. I 
feel like we should all know this, but it's escaping me. It's, is it CVB? Nope. It's freestyle though, right? Nope. No? Nope. Planet Patrol. Play at your own risk. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that part right there, that that bass <laughs> dropped, we used to rewind that. Yeah. And play it over and over <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> With that little uh doom doom doom. Yeah. Yo, Mike. Yo, Mike. That scratching style is also very relevant to oh, me, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. You know how they got that scratching style, right? How they Remember I told you the line switches? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the transform scratching? The transform? Yeah. They use the line switch to get yeah. that real quick so click. I'm talking about the, uh, so, the, the quick scribbles right before a... The, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah, right yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Tony in particular has that style nailed. Really? I don't know if you guys have ever heard him play. I, yeah, I've heard like, him do it oh, yeah. before. Yeah. I can do it hardcore. Tur- turn on like 120 to 125, like Miami breakbeat track, and he can scratch like that all day. No kidding. Yeah. He does it in, in the garage sometimes. I'll just sit back and I'm like, man, <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> that was the style that I went after. That's what influenced me was was. You still have Mike. a bunch of that stuff, don't you? Oh yeah, I got all that on vinyl. What about the? Do you still have the like the Florida Breaks stuff, or oh, did yeah. you ever? I, well, I, I I sold quite a bit of it, but I kept like a lot of my old old Ices, Baby Ann, some yeah. of the Huda Hootia stuff. Uh, what was this record label? Kaleidoscope. Yep. Um, I'll come over and play some of those when. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got fun. a bunch of them around here too. Yeah, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. All right, I think I've saved the best for last on this one, guys. We cannot go on without mentioning funk. Funk music is an amalgam of soul music, jazz, R&B, and Afro-Cuban rhythms absorbed and reconstituted in New Orleans. Um, they talk about how it was they used everyday experiences to be expressed to challenge daily struggles and hardships fought by lower and working class communities. So kind of a recurring theme with a lot of these musical styles. Um, originates in New Orleans, but we can't go on without mentioning Dayton here. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. Ohio, at least. Right, right. Um, we're listening to Ohio players right now, so that's yep. a Dayton native. We also had Zap, Roger, Roger. Troutman, yep. uh, Slave, Lakeside, Fazo, Heatwave, Sun. These are all Dayton artists. Yeah. And so we, we got to show a little love for our city yeah. there. We yeah. sneak it in there at the end. Wherever little, we can get didn't it ori- in. Didn't originate here, but we knew what we were doing. That's right. <laughs> Platinum That's right. dirt. No doubt. Um, so I'm, I've put together an actual uh, Spotify playlist called Dayton Funk. Awesome. And it's just got funk stuff from the city here so if anybody wants to check that out just head to passionate dj for passionate dj.com forward slash dayton funk so um yeah with 
Dayton, or sorry, funk being very American. I mean, we can't forget country music. I, I can't speak on country music. But, okay, you know. and that's been the Fashion <laughs> DJ Podcast. Come on, some of our, some of our <laughs> listeners might listen to country. You know, so, I mean, obviously that's had a big influence because you can go a lot of places and hear country music. Even when I was deployed, yeah. I heard country music. Uh, I'm which sorry. I thought was odd. Yeah. But, you know, bluegrass. And, 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 and it's blue. not just on well, the no, insulation. No, no, hold on. Now, hold on. But <laughs> Outside the wire. Yeah, no, bluegrass is not country. Well, I'm talking about origins. (laughs) (laughs) But a couple things that are very distinctively American that have influenced multiple genres of music. Um, One, courtesy of the Winstons. The on mm. break. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Okay. Yep. I was wondering how you're going to tie it in with the DJing, but I'm, I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because we're talking what? Drum and bass, jungle, yeah. hip hop. I mean, break beats. Break beats. I mean, in general. Yeah. What do they say? The, the six seconds that change the world? The six seconds that change the world. <laughs> yep. yep. What? One minute and 27 seconds into the track. Yep. You know, the Winston's Amen Brother. And the other one, Lynn Collins and the Think Break. You know, again, hip hop. Drum or sorry, drum and bass. You know, Rob uh, Rob bass and DJ Z Rock. It takes two. You know, everybody's heard that break. You know, just a couple things that are distinctively American that have impacted the globe. So yeah, I mean, especially if you once you get into sample culture. I mean, like you know, drum and bass alone like has like there's there's like half a dozen to a dozen fundamental fundamental breaks, and those are definitely a couple that are that are in in the top there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just being able to like really kind of dig in to the American discography and be able to pull from those influences and, and we still make American music based off of those influences today. So, um, one last thing before I wrap up, um, if I'm allowed, uh, Tony has recently recorded a mix. For the first time in how long? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. Mm-hmm. So we just, this was, this mix was actually the inspiration for the, the recording mixes and the, and why we don't section Episode. of that title. Right, right. And, um, I gotta say it was worth the wait, man. This is, a, this is a good yeah. mix. It's, Thank so, you. It um, really is. And it, I mean, just to brag on you a little bit, uh, didn't you just break the top Crack 100 in uh, yeah. in the Mixcloud uh, top 100 for the, per, for the progressive? Yeah, I made genre? it to 91. Nice. Oh wow! Nice. Congratulations. Cool. Still going Thank up. Thank you. Huh? Yeah. Sounds like it's still going up. I yeah. think last I talked to you, it was 98 or something. Yeah, it was 96. Yeah. And awesome. last time I looked, it was 91. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Moving up. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot of... Nice um, little metric for you. A lot of good response. Um, and even on the post, you know, like the things that I talked about, um, all of the things that happened in my life that took me in the direction that it did and, you know, coming back out. And that's why the whole title is the way that it is. But I had a couple people private message me and and thank me for actually putting that message out because it made them feel like they could talk about their situation of being Mm -hmm. depressed now Mm -hmm. it was it was pretty cool and inspirational for me to uh, get those messages and you know hopefully people anytime we can do something good with our music that's yeah that's pretty inspiring and it's really cool yeah when i flipped on my facebook and i saw that you opened that you actually published it and put it out i got i started getting a little jacked up (laughs) and then when i actually (laughs) listened to it dude i was like really kind of like emotional about it and I was so happy for you that you were able to put that out dude I'm getting Thank a little you. hosed up right now just talking about it but dude yeah. congrats bro Thank you it took me 7 really minutes 7 to 10 I forget but it took me a minute to 
hit that publish button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I sat I and thought about it and man. thought about it and thought about it, yeah. but I'm glad that I did. It was the right choice, man. Right. Thank you. Thank you. The, Thank the you mix very is titled sure Lost and Found. You can find it on Tony SoundCloud, which we will link up in the show notes. And um, at least temporarily, you can find it at a uh, downloadable version at passionatedj.com forward Get slash it while it's Tony. Forward <laughs> 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 slash Tony. Check it out. Um, Last thing, don't forget about episode 100. Once again, you have to sign up if you want to attend the live show. That's on July 8th. Go to passionatedj.com forward slash 100. Sign up and we will see you next time on the Passionate DJ Podcast. Peace. Deuces. Later. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Make sure you guys don't miss it. Once again, that's July 8th, and you have to register. PassionateDJ.com slash 100. We're seriously doing video. We are doing video. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just now catch up? (laughs) It it wasn't a dream. Uh, I'm going to wear my best t-shirt. I'm wearing my best marshmallow helmet. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Nice. Uh, We are going to have lots of great uh, previous guests, too. We've got lots.